bring everyone together for a great time with the Nintendo Switch system. Get the whole family in on the fun with exciting games that everyone can enjoy, like Super Mario Bros. Wonder, Animal Crossing, New Horizons, and more. Nintendo Switch has three different play modes all in one system. Play in TV mode, tabletop mode, or handheld mode when you're on the go. Visit nintendo.com slash us slash switch to learn more. Games rated E for everyone. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. The constants of the universe, gravitational, speed of light, whatever, were all tiny, tiny bit different, like different one part in a billion or something. Maybe in our daily lives, we would not notice. But over the history of the universe, things would be so fundamentally changed that our existences would just not be the same. Yeah, or we wouldn't exist at all. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. This is Star Talk Sports Edition. We're going to do cosmic queries today, the grab bag version. I got with me my co host, of course, Chuck Nice. Chuck. Hey, 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 what's up, Neil? All right, professional stand up comedian and actor, got Gary O'Reilly, former soccer pro. How you doing, Gary? I'm good, Neil. So, this is, this is Cosmic Quarry's grab bag, which mm-hmm. takes us to a broader stretch of the geekosphere than normally I can handle all by myself. And so, guys, we brought in the big guns for this. And who would that be? The one and only. Charles Liu, my friend and colleague. Hey, Charles, yes. welcome back. We need the crowd noise. <laughs> <laughs> Charles, all hail the geek in chief. Our Ray. returning champion. Oh, Ray, the champ and, is and still champion. You are all too kind. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be and back. And to put this Thanks in context, the me, geek everyone. spectrum, the geekosphere, knows no bounds in its extremities. So, uh, yes, I'm card-carrying geek, and I'm proud of it, and I can hold my own on the street. But if Charles Liu walks in the, house, in the room... Uh-oh. Now, now we hail. Just, now we All just hail. Entered, we entered the multi-geekiverse. <laughs> oh, we have entered the multi-geekiverse. All right, folks. We got Neil and Chuck Liu. Oh, Watch my out. gosh. So, so, Charles, you are a, a professor of astronomy and physics at... Uh, City University of Staten Island in New York. Is that fair enough? And That's correct. Do they still mm-hmm. give you uh, administrative duties now, or are you you back in? Ah, uh, yes, yes. Uh, regrettably or happily, I'm. Oh, wow! Chair yeah, sorry to hear department. that. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, on the one hand, yes, there's a lot of paper these days, electrons, I guess, that one has to push that one wishes one does not have to push. But on the other hand, you get a chance to really. Yeah, yeah, there you go. change. You can help 
you know, the, the 21st century classroom yeah, yeah. be what it is. You can design curriculum and move things along better. And so I, I really welcome the challenge. And, and I'm very fortunate, too, that, that my colleagues yeah. are, are great. Uh, there's not a jerk or a joke among them, which yeah, yeah, many exactly, departments, exactly. yeah, many times departments cannot post that. I really want to look up that. the uh, origin of the double-edged sword analogy, metaphor, because, mm. you know, when it comes to killing people, I want a double-edged sword. <laughs> but, we, but we use not, it. Not necessarily. Why, why wouldn't you? No, think, of, think about the scimitar. I okay? know what It's the, a it's, curved blade. It's right. heavy on one side. And as a result, the front side sharp, can be very, right. very sharp. And meanwhile, you have much more force going that way. And then you poke in the other direction. So not having the blade actually gives you an advantage because you have a strength of striking one direction. There is a story that uh, goes that during mm -hmm. the Crusades, uh, Richard the Lionhearted tried to demonstrate to the Saracen prince that he was going to just how powerful uh, the Crusaders were. He took his two-sided sword and severed an iron bar with a single stroke because of his great power. And the Saracen prince then came back and mm -hmm. brought his scimitar, took a feather right. pillow, sliced it, and sliced the pillow exactly right. in half. That's, that's with the scimitar. You can't you do that, can't with, do a that with a Ginsu sword. knife. So screw that prince. <laughs> Ginsu knife. That prince, prince <laughs> is not that. Impressive. <laughs> and, and was it a my pillow pillow? Because, I mean, let's be real. <laughs> wait, 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 why can't a double-edged sword cut a pillow in half? The double-edged sword could cut a pillow in half, but it was not built to cut a pillow in half. And as a result, it was built for strength and power, but there was no, no subtle not, not precision. Right? No if precision. You, no, it was the broad a, sword, right. and it was, meant right. to, it was meant to be used to fight against soldiers or knights in chain mail armor. Right. So therefore the scimitar is not right. going to poke a hole through Yeah, if the I metal. can't if I can't cut through the armor, right. I'll just break your arm. Yep. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty yeah. much right. what it was. But but what but but what the scimitar can do is basically scalpel things, surgically remove limbs and things, uh, digits in such a way that uh, you can be as armored as you want. But you still See, can't but do what here's you want to do. I, 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 where I go back to my point, why not just have a double-edged scimitar? <laughs> and now I'm because the second edge, because the second edge reduces the ability of the first edge. It's a trade-off between one side and the other. Mm, okay. Well, you a real know-it-all, ain't you? I know it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Hey, you know, sir, you should be Lord on our nice. podcast, you know? You, yeah. <laughs> you think? Oh, oh that was fast. Okay. That was good shit. Sure. All right, so we got we got questions from our <laughs> Patreon members. And mm -hmm. This is a grab bag, so it's it's anything in sports, right? Science-y and um, sportsy. I, I, say, I, think it's, I think you just end that sentence at it's anything. It's anything. Okay, let, let, let's go with it. This is sports <laughs> edition, though, so we can put a sports spin on it. So... Mm -hmm. Chuck and Gary, you got the questions, but bring it on. And I'll help right. out like when it's my turn or when I think I can help. But oh, you'll, you'll, you'll be involved, Neil. Guaranteed. Generally, you. I am unnecessary in the presence <sighs> of Charles. Just no, let's no, make no, no. Ah, ah, I'm not. All okay. right, well, let's, let's kick <laughs> off the first one. Dan Rez, and thank you to all our Patreon patrons for involving themselves in our request for questions. So here we go. I have another question because this is one of several that uh, Dan decided he'd drop into our inbox. 
if time is a constant but is affected in a way by gravity, is there, theoretically, a way to manipulate time? If gravity waves can affect how time moves and speed can make time move either faster or slower depending on vantage, and he says in brackets, I guess, is there a way, obviously, theoretically, to manipulate time? Also, is there a correlation in size and time? Let's say, hypothetically, there's an object or being that is bigger than the universe itself. Would time act differently due to the larger mass? And would this thing experience time as we do? And does the fact that the size difference allows for faster movement also perception of time to said thing or being? Now, that's the end of the show because that question's particularly... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There's no more time left. No, there's no more go. time. We're out of time. Out of oh. time. And by the way, but, but just out of curiosity, is time a constant the way the speed of light is a constant? Because that's how he started. Mm. Well, here's what it I'm going to do. Oh, okay. I'm going to reshape the question into please. something that's one right. and a half sentences long. And I'm going to hand please. it to Charles. Charles, as, the, as Dan yes. knows, different factors affect the rate of passage of time. We know this. Sources of gravity, how fast you're moving, how much mass you are. So, might there be a future time where we can manipulate these factors and make time, make time do... We become the time overlords and make Ooh, time do what we want. Doctor Who. Dan! Hey, Dan, <laughs> that was a dope <laughs> question, Dan. I just... I think that's what he's after, but I've said it in I don't care words. if that's what he's after or not. That's well, what he's asking now. Right. That's a great question. That's right. amazing. Right. Well, well, this is a great question. It's very complicated. Lots of great stuff involved. Here's how I think about it. Here's how I approach something like this. Time is a dimension, right? You go back to, to general theory of relativity. Time, manipulating time is like talking about manipulating length, width, or height. In other words, we don't manipulate the dimensions itself. We manipulate where we are in that dimension, how we travel in that dimension, which direction we move, how, speed at which we move, things like that. So the answer really, you're, you're combining two different things. One is the idea of time as a dimension. And the idea, and the second idea is time as we experience it as humans or as individual organisms or things in the universe. So the answer is, yes, we can absolutely manipulate how we experience time in the future. Uh, we, if we could, for example, go near a black hole. Uh, we would change our time experience. Uh, we can manipulate how we fast we move through space, you know, length, width, and height. In the same way, we can manipulate how fast we move through time. Just by picking up our speed, getting close to the speed of light, we know that there's this phenomenon called time dilation. The important thing to think about is, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to change the dimension of time itself? Or are you trying to change what we are experiencing or what others are experiencing in the form of time? This latter thing is certainly doable given the right technology. But boy, does the technology have to be pretty So what would happen advanced. is if we do master it, you could have a whole other set of people that we might call time bandits. Oh. See what I did there. <laughs> Names have oh, yeah. been taken, Sorry, Neil. Sorry time about Time bandits. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. Maybe, yeah, some other time. Or what was that movie where time was a commodity and you could oh. take it or give it to people? Do you remember uh, that movie? Starring uh, Justin Timberlake. Oh, yes. And yeah, he was in it and so was the guy from... from was it? Uh, the Big Bang Theory. Um, he, he was in it too. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, uh, well, is this the one where, where everyone had a set amount of time to live and... 
the moment your time ran out, you would just tip over and die. But until then, you would never age. Yeah, and you could just uh, hand the yeah. time. You and, could and buy you just, it or sell it, commoditize it, get it on the right. on the black market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That that's a classic idea of time. You know, taken to the extreme, of course, of time as a resource. Mm. Right. If you talk to say human resource managers or, or people who, who wish to uh, optimize a corporation or an individual's ability to get stuff done, they think of time as a resource and say you have twenty four hours each day. How do you apportion it to all the different things you do? How do you make it more efficient? Things like that, right? Uh, as a physicist, uh, you might think more about time as a dimension, uh, which is what Einstein considered as the If only the right we could put it about. in a bottle. But yeah, there are many different ways. Time in a bottle. The first thing time that I'd like to do. Mm. What would you time, do? What would wow. you do that first thing? I would sing it. But there never seems to be enough it. time That's to right. do the, the things, thing. right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, well, time has yeah. come today. <laughs> uh, at least time oh, is on my side. No. And time for another question. Mm, <laughs> Look at that. And he wins. That's why he's the champion. Look at that. Goes out with a little Mick Jagger on us. Can't, can't beat that. Gary, what else you got? All right. Samuel Barnett. Uh, greetings from London. That's London, England. Oh, look at that. Uh, uh, not London, Connecticut. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, not to be mistaken. Uh, a bit of a hypothetical Question, given enough advanced technology, would it be possible, I think you're going to like this, uh, would it be possible for an advanced alien civilization to steal our sun before the other side of the world noticed it was missing? Ah, and a, great well, question. They, they, they have eight minutes to pull off the world's greatest heist. There you go. <laughs> the the, the yeah, solar system's yeah, greatest true. heist, right, Chad? But you're exactly right. So the thing is, it would take eight minutes plus to get the information to the Earth that it's missing. But then the, the side that's facing away from the Earth, uh, excuse me, the side of the Earth that's facing away from the sun at, at that moment would still know right away, like within moments, that it was missing because of all the different things it does other than shine, right? Because of all the different things that the sun does to the Earth other than shine. First of all, the shine is interesting enough, right? The each second, the amount of sunshine that hits the Earth uh, is equivalent to millions of atomic bombs, right? Uh, and as a result, you're, you're already removing that heat, and that heat's going to flow completely differently than when the sun is shining. Equilibrium's completely messed up, right? Second of all, the gravitational effect is missing immediately. So the entire Earth would start moving in a direction completely different from what it was doing when it was still in the sun's gravitational field, right? So um, it might fly straight off into another direction, right? Just like if you let go of a a lasso uh, and you let the string go and then the thing just goes flying straight away, right? You have a brick on a string or something and you spin it. The moment you let go of the string, the brick heads off in a straight line. All of the earth would go at the same time in that direction. Uh, and so there's all kinds of things that would immediately affect the entire Earth the moment that the information that the sun was gone. Or maybe we just like finally get a chance to go make out with Mars. Mm, it would be fun, except Mars is oh, heading right. off in its own direction at that point. <laughs> yeah. Mars is like, right. I don't want anything to do with you, Earth. I'm, I'm headed yeah, to, all, I'm yeah, headed all to the planets. Uh, all the planets. What a tangent. Yeah. Is there, what about 
Um, when you talk about that flying off in a tangent, is there, since Jupiter has so much mass nowhere near the, of the sun, is it possible that we might, one planet or two planets kind of follow after Jupiter because of the amount Ooh, of gravity that it has? Mm. Excellent question, Chuck. Uh, I would say that you would have to do the calculation at that precise moment, right? Because the positions of the planets relative to one another keep varying on a second-by-second -second basis. They all orbit at different rates and at different distances from the sun. But if at the moment that the sun disappeared, the planets were within Jupiter's sphere of influence, in other words, we weren't at escape velocity with respect to Jupiter, then indeed we would start moving toward Jupiter and there's a real possibility that we would wind up orbiting Jupiter after a right. long period You can picture of if we're on one side of the sun headed to the left and the Jupiter's on the other side of the sun headed, or head, headed the other way, and then we lose the gravity. Jupiter's in one direction, we're in the other. So we're, we're not catching Jupiter at that point. So, exactly, right. Yeah, right. so it, that's you, right, Charles. You, you'd have to really, uh, you can do probably do the math on that and see what planets would get together. It would not be That'd too be hard. Fun. Yeah, it would not be too hard to do the math, but it would be, uh, it yeah, would be really cool, it, actually. Would be I, a, that, I, I'd love to. I, <laughs> I don't want to try it. It would be the sun bandits. It, but the I think it would bandits. be really neat. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, so guys, we got to oh, take a quick oh. break. When we come back, more Star Talk Sports Edition grab bag cosmic queries on Star Talk. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. We're back. Dark Talk. Sports Edition. Cosmic Queries. 
grab bag. And you know mm. I need help with the grab bag. So we got Charles Liu, our geek in chief, with hey. us. Hey, hey. And by the way, Star Talk fans, we retooled the categories of our Patreon membership. And so I want to see what those new categories are that might uh, entice you if you haven't been a Patreon member before. Uh, this new structure might uh, resonate with you. And of course, you would find that at patreon.com slash Radio. So check that out. Because all the questions we were responding to today are from Patreon members. That's one That's of right. the privileges and one of the perks. All right, so stop sending them to me and join Patreon. <laughs> okay. Stop trying, to, stop trying to game the system. Game the system, yeah. all right. <laughs> and, and, and so, Gary, this is, uh, this is Star Talk Sports Edition. Why don't we get yes. into the sports questions? Oh, you're so impatient. Yes. Uh, we get, we're going to get there. Sports. In, yeah. Sports. Yay, go sports. Uh, segment three. Uh, segment three. Oh, was, I'll look forward yeah, to that. Yeah, but our Patreon audience are so inquisitive. Their cosmic curiosity is so deep and intense. I felt the need to just bring that forward okay. and not just hog all those questions. All right, get warmed up so, with the actual universe. All right, we're going to okay. go off and do our stretches. And all right, let's do it. And, next all question. All right, next question up. Neferet. Neferti? Yeah. Okay, I might mangle that one. <laughs> so, uh, which of the laws of... Interesting question, this. Which of the laws of physics could you change and have the least effect on everyday life? Oh, geez. Ooh. Oh, wow. Well, they're all so interconnected, right, Neil? I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if you can tweak any one thing and it not just, like, totally unravel the entire tapestry of the earth and the world and everything we do i guess yeah, i gotta I, agree with yeah. i gotta agree with you charles yeah. on that I, they're, they're so interconnected right that if you change one thing that's the beginning mm -hmm. of the end of everything you know and love in this right. world it, it, I, all right I, how about this one let me give you guys an, uh my 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 example just okay out of craps and giggles <laughs> okay for every action there's an equal and opposite reaction mm -hmm. suppose mm -hmm. we made the reaction opposite but not equal Yes. Ah. Uh, well, already we in, in in reality, we have these things called friction and viscosity, right? They mm. they dissipate some of the action when it comes back. So to some extent, it is a lesser reaction, like a by a tiny fraction, if you take these dissipative forces into account. So maybe if it were a tiny, tiny bit different. You know, that's a great point, Chuck. It's very possible that we would not notice. So it would have to be a very small change. But maybe, you know, if it were at the 99.99999% level true, and then you just had a mm. tiny, tiny fraction of percent dissipating, we might not be able to tell on a daily basis because all of the rest of our, um, all the rest of our interactions are so large compared to that fraction. You know, that's so a, let me geek out a little. Are you saying, Neil? Are you saying, Neil, and Charles, that there is a natural tolerance, albeit a small, very tiny one, in the laws of physics? Possibly. Or are they, it's right. that and nothing else? You know, and, and that may be the point, right, Neil? Uh, I know mm. You're about to say something along these lines, but if the constants of the universe, gravitational, speed of light, whatever, were all tiny, tiny bit different, like different one part in a billion or something, maybe in our daily lives we would not notice. But over the history of the universe, things would be so fundamentally changed that our existences would just not be the same. Yeah, or we wouldn't exist at all. I'll give an example. There's a, there's a fun calculation you do in astrophysics graduate school 
And I know the word fun and calculation are not always in the same <laughs> sentence. <laughs> Bring it on. So what you do is you ask yourself, suppose the gravitational constant, this was predicted to exist by Isaac Newton, ultimately measured by a fellow named Cavendish, and this gravitational constant, if it was slightly different, what effect would it have on, for example, the luminosity of the sun? Okay, because the sun's ener the, 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 the weight of all the mass and the pressure and the temperature and the nuclear reactions, all of this. When you do that calculation, <laughs> you find that the luminosity of the sun depends to the seventh power yeah. on the gravitational constant. Yeah. Damn. I, I remember so doing that So if the gravitational constant was, was a tiny bit higher, yeah. then the luminosity of the sun would be unacceptably high for anything we enjoy and love here on Earth yeah. in our Goldilocks zone. I remember that calculation, Neil. That was fun. I know we didn't go to grad school together, but it was it's it's that mental exercise. And and I I remember thinking, wow, if we just change uh the gravitational constant of the universe by a tenth of a percent, then the surface of the earth would be uninhabitable. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, so wow. so so it's not that everything is in delicate balance. Don't think about it in those terms. It's that we are what works with the properties that exist in this universe, right? Yes, and if you change it, we're not here, but maybe something else would be here in those other, under those other conditions, but it wouldn't be anything we know and love. Right. Hey, oh, well, there yeah. you have it. So your answer is, if it's if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, every day would be Christmas. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, that's exactly you know what, what we said. If you want that's to right. talk about mm. the Big Bang Theory, that's a great point. You know what, Chuck? Because if the expansion rate of the universe were different, then it would not affect us as much during the lifetime of human beings on the Earth. Right, Neil? If, if the Hubble constant were, say, half of what it is now or double what it is now, then it would make a big difference billions of years from now. But at this moment in the evolution of our society and of human civilization, it would not make that big of an effect. I worry that if the Hubble constant were too high, then in the early universe, the matter would not have coalesced. Right. We right. would have expanded and then never formed stars and yeah. galaxies. Yeah, yeah. It's a before so, thing instead of an after thing in that case. Right, and I'm just mm -hmm. saying there are people who get religious about this and say, oh, you see, everything is perfectly tuned for us. No, we are perfectly, perfectly tuned for it. That's the difference. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, wait, one other thing, quick, quick thing. You mentioned the Big Bang Theory and if and butts were candy and nuts. What was that thing? Mm -hmm. Be Christmas every, every day. Christmas every okay. day. My first of two cameos on the TV sitcom Big Bang Theory, Sheldon recited that very same poem to my face. Oh, uh, really? That's yes. What, that, that's, that's why awesome. I know it, Neil. That's okay. very cool. <laughs> <laughs> first time I ever uh, heard that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 All right. Here we go. Let's dive in even deeper. Joey Medici has inquired Could a body of mass have two different strengths of gravity? Think a giant meteor or a planet shaped like a cone. Would the end with more mass have more pull? And then fin finishes up with thanks. Yes. The answer but is Charles, yes. Charles, let me take this one. I got Go this for one. It. So, right. yes. First, the answer is yes. Um, generally, when we do calculations, we simplify it. And we talk about objects that are spherically symmetric. 
not only in in radius, but in distance from the center. And so that makes the calculations come out easy. But geologists, geophysicists, oil prospectors have gravimeters where they're looking for distortions in the overall average gravity of the Earth that will tell them where something heavier than the normal gravity or lighter than the normal gravity might be found. And that's how they found the undersea crater from 65 million years ago, which was the smoking gun that took out the dinosaurs from the asteroid that hit in the Yucatan Peninsula. So if you redistribute matter, the cone is an extreme example, but if you redistribute it anyway, we have the power to find out where the extra mass deposits are versus where they're not. And yeah, right. gravity is not always just coming, quote, from the center. That's right. No, Joey's point is a very good one. And it shows up in other astronomical activities too. So for example, when we try to send spacecraft to orbit asteroids or other small bodies in the solar system, we have to take into account the fact that at every different point in that spacecraft's orbit, it is experiencing a slightly different gravitational acceleration from the asteroid because the asteroid shape is not perfectly uniform and spherical. Yeah, so the gravitational constant of the universe stays the same no matter where you are, but the distribution of mass and how far away you are from that distribution affects the gravitational force you feel all the time. You got so it. So let me ask you this. Is there any uh, part of astrophysics where the answer is, ah, that's good enough? <laughs> yes, yes. My... My my, it's like my all your calculations are so precise. <laughs> my my thesis committee said precisely that when whether or not they wanted to give me my PhD. Ah, close oh, enough. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> stop it. You stop that now. No, you, you, <laughs> all right. Um, continuing with um, a kind of earthbound and slightly geophysical approach, David Williams has asked both Neil and Chuck. How far do you predict the tectonic plates will move or churn before tectonic activities stop on Earth? Uh, you'll be dead. That's the answer. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, 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 Charles, let me offer you a, a fast back of the envelope. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Okay. So, Mars has, is it one-eighth our surface area? Is that right? Roughly. Um, roughly. I think roughly one-eighth our surface area, and generally you radiate the heat through your surface, mm. okay? Mars has no tectonic activity. We think it may have at one point, but it's completely mm. cooled. So I'm just wondering, maybe we have to be around eight times as long as Mars has been to reach the state that Mars is in right now, yep. or whenever Mars had stopped its activity. What do you think of that back of the envelope? I think that makes a lot control? of sense. Uh, the... The general consensus right now is that Mars's tectonic activity stopped about one to two billion years, I believe, after it formed, wow. which means that we have somewhere between, say, 10 and 20 billion years worth of tectonics going on uh, in yeah. our Earth before we run out of internal heat. If we do that right now, we're at about four and a half billion. So um, the tectonic plates currently move at about the rate at which your fingernails grow. That is a, an inch or two per year. Uh, so wow. if you go a couple inches a year and you go for 15 wait, million wait, Charles, years. Wait, wait, you've never been to a black salon? 
The nails grow way faster there. Yeah, just and, uh, they can grow in as quick as uh, five to seven minutes. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> a little uh, bit of glue, and you're all yeah, in. No. Right. You're right. Okay. Thank you for providing me that extra context. Walked in, look, walked in looking like Nubs, walked out looking like Freddy Krueger. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, so if you go in a couple inches a year for about 15 billion years, uh, then that's a pretty fair distance you could travel. Now, the caveat, of course, as we all know, Neil um, and Chuck and Gary, is that five billion years from now, uh, the sun is going to go red giant and the solar system have other and the entire Milky about. Way is yeah. going to crash yeah. into the Andromeda galaxy, right? So by then, I don't think tectonics will be an issue. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, there you go. So how would you like to die? Go ahead. Take yeah. But it also means, just to be clear, if you if the take tectonic, if Earth cools off, there's no volcanoes. That's right. right. There's no earthquakes. Right. There's no none of that. That's right. None there's none of that, that whole ring of fire. All that ends. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And would mountains continue to be, to no, grow? And they'd be an end. They'd be yeah, end of mountain. They'd end of everything. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you can just wow. look at Mars to sort of see what happens once there's no more plate tectonics, right? Or the Moon, for example. Um, they have these things and they sit there and they're big and they just don't ever change. Right. Oh. Right. Okay, cool. on that cheerful note. That was um, boring. <laughs> the, the next question comes from Captain James Riley. So um, I'm guessing that's a title we should appreciate. Why don't we have a deep sea base yet? If we want to explore alien worlds, we've got some right here and that we just seem to be not interested. So he's, he's encouraging now, Come on, Elon, let's go to the bottom of the ocean. I'm saying with Elon, it's more a James Cameron thing. Mm -hmm. So the, I uh, bet Charles and I agree on this, but I'm going to lead mm. off and Charles, you, I'm going to hand you the baton. Please. It is way easier to go into space than to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> Charles, <laughs> yeah. that's my hand off to you. It is not necessarily way easier. It is easier in some ways and harder in other ways to go into mm. space compared to being the bottom of the ocean. But I believe that the main reason we haven't gone down as much as we've gone up is because there are, uh, shall we say, social and political advantages to going up as opposed to going down. If you want wow. the high ground, and companies and, and corporations and countries are always looking for the high ground, you don't go down to the bottom of the ocean. You go up into orbit. You go up into space. Well, okay, but however, in... Uh, the Second World War, the low ground was the realm of submarines. Yes, and but who so do you think it, made a bigger difference? The submarines or the airplanes? Yeah, the airplanes, oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Uh, it depends yeah. on which movie you're watching. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, I did I mean, like, das, you know, Das Boot was pretty das awesome. And Red October mm -hmm. yeah. and yeah. Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide, you know. Uh, we got them all. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but so, uh, what are the Charles, what are the pressures at the Marianas Trench? Well, let's see. Every time you go down about 32 feet is the equivalent of one Earth atmosphere at the Earth's surface. Oh, my gosh. So oh my if gosh. you go down okay. 35,000 feet, that's more oh than 1,000 atmospheres. So that's 15,000 pounds per square inch, thereabouts. Right, and the difference between one atmosphere and space is one atmosphere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's right. Right. So, so there is a structural issue. That's kind of my point about it. space is a little structurally. Space is not trying to crush you like a grape. <laughs> and yet, we have sent 
things down into the Marianas Trench, and it has yeah. they have come back, right? Yeah. They have. So uh, we have. They're yet- flatter when they come back, but right, guys, we got to take a quick break. Quick break. When we come back, Star Talk, Cosmic Queries, Sports Edition. And Gary, promise us we're going to get to some sports questions in the We will. Segment. Yes. Let, when we return on Star Talk. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're back. Star Talk Sports Edition. Cosmic Queries grab bag. I got Charles Liu with me. Uh, Charles, what projects are you working on now? Oh, this is quite a year for me. Thank you for asking. Um, scientifically, uh, we're about to launch into a lot of work with my JWST, uh, James Webb Space Telescope, and Rubin Observatory colleagues. Got some projects that are ramping up nice. now. Yeah. So you, you can talk to us when as as developments oh. continue to roll off the you know yeah roll it, off the oh, assembly be line. A pleasure. Yeah. Uh, and uh-huh. I'll be talking a little bit about that too in season two of my podcast, The Luniverse with Dr. Charles Liu. Which will be dropping soon. Oh my God! Yeah. All right, the the universe. I love it. Love it. I didn't come uh, up with that we're name, all but fine I like podcast. <laughs> we're all fine podcaster found. Indeed. Yeah. All right. All right. Let, let's keep going, Gary. What do you got? Okay, I can't do this name as much justice as Chuck, but I'll I'll, I'll have a go at it. Alejandro Reynoso oh. from Monterrey, <laughs> Mexico. <laughs> Sorry, Alejandro. Um, I, I just cannot, cannot yeah, you compete. you can't do it. Can't do I just it. can't compete with Lord Nice. Not a chance. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, he wishes us well and has a question. How the weather affects a football match? For example, when it's snowing, is there anything players can do to compensate? <clears throat> so the, the, the natural elements uh, of affecting an outdoor game. <laughs> okay. Yeah, first, I, the NFL has gotten wimpy because they're, they always put the Super Bowl, which takes place in January, February, in some southern climate. When it's the old days, I remember they'd be they, they you couldn't even see the lines on the field, and the and the the linesmen would line up, mm. and you'd see smoke coming out of their noses. Yeah, <laughs> the Super Bowls were always held in warm climates before they had internal stadiums. That's true, but there are okay, nat- NFL championship mm. games, right? The the very famous one, a uh, long time ago, Green Bay Packers. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, the Bart star, he like crushed up and he looks old and stuff. There was, was a super the snowball. Bowl. There was snowball. They, they, 
there was a Super Bowl held at, um, in New Jersey uh, one mm-hmm. time not too long ago. They not tried to do long. that. Didn't work out so well. Uh, and of course, uh, Peyton Manning was crushed 34 to 8. I'm so sorry to say. Although he did, in fact, eventually get a Super Bowl win later with the Devin Broncos. So you know, he retired out. Anyway, too much, too much, too much. Okay. Yes. If you have a problem with the weather, you have to adapt. Uh, if it's American yes. football, right, you have to throw the ball uh, a little bit shorter, a little bit faster. If you are running the ball, uh, then you have to wear different shoes or you have to change your step a little bit. There's lots of mm-hmm. things that you have to make adjustments for. Uh, as for so, so Charles, the, the ball's not as not as a sticky. Correct. When it's, it's also very harder, cold, right? So the it's surface, harder. Yeah, it's, harder. It, it's harder to move, and it's almost as not, if it not was if, say not inflated a little bit out. extra. Not yeah, let some of the just air. Let out. some of the air. Yeah, out. you know why it's not? Totally it, it took you that long deflate. to get it. Why really? not? Oh, you know. Well, no, but all, but but Charles in yes. in automotive. Yes. All right. In winter, whatever was the pressure in your tires. Yes. Uh, it drops just automatically. Yes, it drops a little the, bit. That's right. It drops a little bit. So you have to put extra air in your tires over the winter mm-hmm. to maintain your standard tire pressure. I presume in the in the football, they got to put more air in to get the same, uh, was it six to nine pounds of pressure per square inch or whatever that yeah, is? You, you do. And, and as a result, you know, the way you inflate or deflate a football uh, mm-hmm. depending on the temperature or whatnot, or whether the quarterback likes it this way or that. Can in high altitude or low altitude. Can in fact affect things, right? And, and that's not allowed, okay? It's not allowed. There's a range, and if you want to exceed that range, and, and because, you know, you uh, want to have an advantage or you feel better throwing the ball or catching the ball, you're not allowed to do that. That's just not part of the rules. But yes, you have to make adaptations as a player, too. And uh, if you're a, a non-U.S. football player, I don't know how often you play in the snow, but I can only imagine how hard it is to play in the snow there. Uh, I remember yeah, I have... Yeah, I mean, if it's fresh snow, Charles, yeah. uh, what they do is they they clear the lines on the field. Mm. So as you can see, the lines, but they'll invariably leave the snow as long as it doesn't get too deep. But there is a kind of guideline, can the ball roll uh-huh. through the snow? So if it... If the snow's compacted and it can roll over the top, then they'll play. If it's too deep, they won't play. If it, for instance, if it's really windy, yeah. you will not kick the ball too high in the air because it's more at the mercy of the prevailing winds. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, the, so if providing there's no snow involved, you would keep the ball on the surface and not get it up too much. If you think it's going to be like wet or snowy, then and it's not too windy, then you get it airborne more because then it doesn't get stuck getting caught in the in the wet service or the snow is totally you would it's adapt and survive it's a it's a it's a simple principle you change the style of game you have to accommodate for the the weather mm. uh, so so um uh, one of our producers for this segment lane uh, mm-hmm. both she and I not at the same time because I'm like way older uh, <laughs> we both rowed and one of the things we know when we're rowing uh, you've seen rowers on the river perhaps uh the as the oar goes into the water, they do what's called, they feather the blade. So mm. the, the blade goes into the water, comes out, and it gets feathered so that when it moves backwards against the air, it reduces the air friction, and then it feathers back and then goes in. So mm-hmm. this rotation of the blade is to reduce air resistance. However, if you have a tailwind, 
you don't feather mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. yes. right. the, the blades then become your sails. sails. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So there are tactical uh, changes that you mm-hmm. invoke depending on 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 how this works. No, that's great. And if you're in a, and if you're in Wisconsin on a lake, then you. You don't go anywhere. You run. It's, it's frozen. You run. Frozen. Frozen. <laughs> frozen. frozen solid. Frozen Get your skates solid. out. That's right. <laughs> so the other, the other thing, Neil, is um, if you're a, a track and field athlete and you're a thrower and there's a crosswind, you then use that, but you have to use it to throw into. So as it then brings you back into the center of the the arc. The possibly, to but uh, the discus actually famously mm. goes farther into the wind yeah. than... Uh, um, than with the wind, so because it, it it's it becomes an airfoil and it coasts yeah. on the up the uplift with javelins. No, it, I mean I don't you, think so. Yeah, I don't think so with yeah. javelins. No, I've had the experience of throwing javelins. So you, I got caught in a crosswind and it was listen just to you, Mister Mister Olympic athlete. Listen to you, not an Olympic athlete. Well, when I threw a javelin, yes. Wait, when I. When I stepped out of the Grecian urn, I was, when, when I was modeling for the Grecian, <laughs> the Greek potters gave me a leave so that I yes, could. That's right. To protect my modesty. <laughs> All right, give All right, me some more here. A, let's have another question here. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, this this is from Bill Williamson, and greetings from Essexville, Michigan. Wait, that means his that name existed. is William Williamson. Mm. Yes. Just checking. Or okay. Bill. All right, survival programs and competitions have occupied a special niche in American TV for a while. By survival here, I mean programs such as Alone, Not Survivor. It's a rather long question. Um, Let's see. Um, I can't recall hearing anyone talk about how expertise in physics might shape a contestant's choices of survival gear. Um, Once watched Les Stroud light a fire with a parabolic mirror that he fashioned from the bottom of an aluminium can. That Les that Stroud polished. is superhuman. That, right. that so, guy, yeah. pretty amazing. Now, the one, the, 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 the curiosity now comes, uh, what non-standard survival gear or preparations would us as gentlemen uh, <laughs> might take to demonstrate the value of scientific knowledge and know-how in the survival situation? Um, so, okay, look at this. We're stuck somewhere we don't want to be, so we need to navigate. We quite need water for survival. We'll need food. Wait, are we naked? Like in Naked and Afraid? <laughs> um, I hope not. But That's a survival. I haven't so, ruled I mean, well, It matters, right? Because you, yeah. you want to okay. literally so we, uh, so freeze your hey, gonads. So right? uh, here we go. Be good if we had a sextant. We could navigate our way mm-hmm. out of a bit of, or knowledge of uh, astronomy. So as we could possibly navigate, navigate our way out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, water. So could we then generate something from condensation? Sure. Of course. So, no problem. So that way's there. And then we've got to hunt and gather. We've got to go back to stay alive and go and find in nature what it is. So a knowledge of botany. Yeah. And or the Botany flora so you know how fauna. to not die from your plants. Yeah. yeah. Don't eat that. That'll kill you. <laughs> that kind of basic stuff. So what do we think, gentlemen? What could we bring scientifically? to survive in the great unknown. I, I would bring my smartphone that has Uber Eats on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's great as long as you get a signal. <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm bringing. Um, speaking of the long Neil's lines, a satellite mm. phone. That's what I'm bringing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. That's and right. I'm good, and I'm good to go. Come get me. That's it. Did you see that FedEx commercial that was a riff on... The on um, what's that movie that 
Tom Hanks was in. Um, Wilson! Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, what was the name yeah. of that movie? Um, Survivor. No. No, no. no. What, uh, what was it called? Uh, Castaway. 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 So, so, th- so there's a TV commercial for FedEx, right? Yeah. And they showed the Tom, Car- Tom Hanks character, right, delivering this FedEx package years later to its address because they always deliver. Okay? Oh, my and, God. And she said, and she said, oh, thank you. It's a little late, but thank you. And he turns away, but then he turns back and said, I just have to know, what was in that package? <laughs> and she said, oh, a, a satellite phone, some seeds? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, maps? Yeah, yeah, that's all that was in it. So thank that's, you. That's great. So uh, I would <laughs> I, I would say um, I would take a cue from the movie that uh, presumably was in the book as well, uh, Black Stallion, okay? Mm. And in that, the, the little boy who survived, the, the, he learned from his father, he says, you always want a pocket knife. Yep, I was going to say, I want a giant knife. <laughs> and a magnifying glass. That's yeah. what I want. Yeah, a knife, because there's nothing on our body that can do what a knife can do. Right. Right? And so your teeth, sort of, but not as well. Mm-hmm. And so that would be the one tool that if you had to have a survival tool, uh, that would help. And a magnifying glass, certainly, you can make fire at any time. That's Otherwise, right. you got to do it the caveman way, which is, uh, you can still do it. Right. Mm-hmm. String of a, yep. Screw that string yep. and sticks yep. crap. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, for, you know, forget that string and stick uh, crap. Remember that. Right. Remember a giant knife. <laughs> remember what a knife is, right? In physics, it's a simple machine. It's a wedge. It's a yeah, very, right. very sharp wedge. And right. so uh, that is physics, right? Uh, and then the other right, thing Charles, I would tell think us about, what the five machines are. Just the while five. You're there. Oh, there's the pulley thing. There's a wheel and axle thing. There's yeah. a wedge thing. Uh, there's a lever thing, and, and there's an inclined, an inclined plane. plane thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. These are the five basic yeah. right. machines in physics. Yeah. And these so, are machines that will take energy invested at one rate and, and it changes the rate on the other end at which it gets invested. So the screw, you, you left out the screw. No, the screw that, is a wedge that's been coiled. Yeah, that's that's right. a wedge. Mm-hmm. So it's how you can crank a car, right? Yeah. Because you're not strong enough to lift the car, right. but you could move something the equivalent of yards in distance, and then the, the car moves up an inch. Yeah. Right? That's so right. it took all that energy to move it, and then it packed mm. it into that one inch. So it changes the ratio of invested energy. That's right. So, yeah. yeah. So cool. So cool. So cool. Yeah. Oh, the, the knife is the thing, man. And, <laughs> and when you think, and think about it, think about how many um, foods that grow wild that we can't eat mm-hmm. because we don't have the strength or the teeth to cut them open. And a knife just allows you to go ahead. Coconuts. I mean, right, you, gotta, right. you, you, you got a knife, man. You know, you're good to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would also want actually some sort of a, a blanket. Uh, maybe one of those thermal mylar-based blankets to keep myself warm. Uh, See, but... Those are very knife, small. They, they, with a knife, you can kill and skin a bear and you got a <laughs> coat. Now you got a coat. Yeah, but but it smells bad until you run it through the and all right. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, the the blanket 
like these Mylar blankets, the space blankets things, right? They're very yeah. warm and they fit into a pocket. Once you fold them up, they're very, very small. This is what small. they give to the marathon right. runners when right. they finish the exactly. race. Right. Exactly. Whereas, right, right, you know, right. bears are very large. They don't fit in your pocket all that easily. So it's going to take yeah. a while. Not to mention you have to hunt so, it down. I'm not sure I want to bring a knife to a bear fight. <laughs> really. Just, I can't see that working yeah. out well yeah, that, for that's me. Not so, that's not so fair. All right. Let's I'll try to fit in like one last question here. All right. James Parrish here. He's uh, in Birmingham, Alabama. I have a baseball question. Uh, if you will, well, I like hitter... the way you said that, Gary, because Birmingham is fr if, in the UK. Is it yes. Birmingham? Birmingham. Here, Birmingham, Birmingham. 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 Chuck, say it the way Alabama. a southerner would say it. Birmingham. <laughs> okay. That's right. Alabama. <laughs> right. Good one. Sweet home Birmingham. Alabama. So Birmingham. Here we go. Picture, if you will, a hitter that knows for their speed and proclivity to slide head first. Think about a, a Ricky Henderson or a Pete Rose, for example. And they're at bat. They hit a little dribbler down to third baseline. A third baseman charges in, bare hands the ball, and makes a throw to the first. It is going to be a close play. Will our speedster reach first base quicker by diving for the bag or running through the bag? Oh, a classic, classic so question. So here we go. Charles, what is our physics? Settle okay. this, Charles. All right, here's the physics of the situation. You will go faster if you are running than when you are diving. General. However, if you're trying to go a very short distance very fast, the dive can help if you launch yourself with both feet off the ground, giving yourself that extra little propulsion for that short distance that you're airborne before you hit the ground. So if you are, say, inches away and you want that last little extra bit, go ahead and dive. But if you are trying to make up a few feet or even a foot or something like that, keep running. Now, Wait, but Charles... Your, your two feet are never together when you're running. That's the thing. So that, that's, you, a, that's not a realistic you, situation. That's right. So you have right. to find a way. If you're going to make your dive, you got to put both feet into the final propelling push. And so that's why when normally— So that you would go faster than you would have had you been only been pushed forward with correct. one foot at any, at any given time. Correct. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the important caveat, right? When we are horizontal, we are a few feet longer than when we're vertical. Right. Mm -hmm. So when Ricky Henderson used to dive, what he was gaining the advantage of was twofold. One, he would be ducking below the tag. And second but of that's all, why, that's why this is specifically for first base. That's right. And We're second of all, right. Second of all, he's got uh, that extra two or three feet horizontally to touch the bag with his hands that he otherwise would have had to do with his, with his feet because you have to mm. stop. Right. He used his belly uh, to slow himself down without having to use the slide effect. Um, I wonder if Ricky Henderson and some of these headfirst divers actually wear like thicker uniforms to prevent them. But Charles, from we're talking scraped. about first base. You don't have to slow down going into first if base. If you're talking the, about first base, that's then, the question. Right. And, the, the, mm -hmm. and our boy knew that in the question. Right? Now, yeah, this is not a, avoiding a tag. Yep. You're not slowing down so you don't overrun it. Mm -hmm. And and so, well, how about this, Charles? Yeah. Um, there's when my head would have reached the bag. Mm -hmm. But there's when my outstretched arm Arms. the bag. Yep. Because I can extend my arm faster than I can run. That's right. So if you can coil yourself up in such a way that you give yourself that last two or three feet, right, going to first base, fine. But usually it's not. Think also, most runners are still accelerating when they get to first base, right? If you're running a 100-yard dash, you mm. don't actually reach your maximum speed until, you know, 
till later in, later in yeah, the race. About like 30, about right. 30 meters. So uh, yeah. the distance from one base to another in Major League Baseball is 90 feet, right? So you've got 30 yards. That's only 30 basically. yards. That's, That's right. Only 30 yards. So you're still right. speeding up. So you don't want to cut off your acceleration by diving. Once you leave your feet, you're not speeding up anymore. You have to use yeah. your body shape, right? Your reach, whatever to compensate for the fact that you're no longer accelerating. So, Chuck, what Charles is saying is anyone who slides into first base is a physics idiot. That's what right. he's saying. That's unless, what he unless they understand the concepts of rigid body motion and flexible body motion and moments of inertia, in which case they could actually gain a slight advantage. Okay. Would it be advantageous to go foot, feet first in a slide right. rather and, than and head here's first? And here's what I'm going to say. Anyone who understands uh, moments of inertia and rigid body motion it's not diving headfirst into face. <laughs> not. Yeah. That most likely, they will have yeah. already done well, such a good job hitting the ball that they would just right. be able to coast into first, round the base, and decide exactly. whether or not to take second. <laughs> mm -hmm. There you go. All right. Well, thanks for this bit of insight here. And uh, yes, it matters whether it's first base or second yeah. uh, for this question, That's of right. course. But guys, that's all we have time. Oh, we were today. just getting into it. It's been a delight, uh, Charles Liu, my friend and colleague, uh, to join us once again. Always a as pleasure. Our geek, as our geek in chief. Thank you uh, so much. Chuck, Gary, always good to have you there. As always. My Neil. This has been a Star Talk Sports Edition Cosmic Queries Grab Bag. Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. Keep working out. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.